I've got a few minutes this morning, and so I'm going to touch on a subject very briefly that will extend into next week and the weeks that follow. Uh, I'd like to take us to the Word for just a moment. If you would, uh, open your Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, and if you need a Bible, just slip up your hand. Dean and Ken are here to place one in your hand so you can follow along. Uh, we're going to look at just a couple of verses this morning. I'll uh, have a devotional thought for them, really, and uh, knowing that our time would be short in the Word. Uh, but we're going to look at Colossians 3, verses 18, 19, 20, and 21 uh, briefly this morning. Can I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word? So how about if I'll take the even-numbered verse, verse 18 and verse 20, if you'll take the odd-numbered verses, verse 19 and verse 21. We'll begin this morning. I'll start. Colossians 3, verse 18 says, Wives, submit your Submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Verse 19. Verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Verse 21. Huge subject, right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again, as we already have and are continuing to do. And always we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak through it also this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So we have here uh, what we're continuing to do in our study along the way. You at home who have joined us, we're following a series that deals with Christian living. We're calling it Christian Living 101. Like when you go to school, a college course typically has a, you know, a number to it. And we've dealt with several aspects of Christian living thus far, going through uh, the third chapter of the book of Colossians. And we come now to what I am calling the third part in this series that has to do with uh, living for Christ in your marriage and family, uh, in your vocation, the area that you work, and in your business life, whatever you are called to do as a, a business person. This morning we're just going to take a cursory look. I may decide to go deeper next week, but we're going to take a cursory look at living for Christ in your marriage and family. Of course, these four verses in front of us deal with that. And uh, it is one of those kind of subjects that there have been no shortage of seminars on, uh, as it relates to husbands and wives uh, that profess to be Christians. Uh, I know several that take advantage of uh, Christian-themed marriage weekends. Uh, there is a whole host of 
resource and material that, and individuals that are out there desiring to help uh, a man and a woman who both profess to be Christians live out their Christian faith as a husband and a wife. No shortage of it. So you would think, I would think, can't think for you, that the Christian marriages in the church would be stellar. They would be hallmarks of what is supposed to be going on when a man says, will you? And a woman says, I will. And they both say, I do. Now, by chance, if you are single this morning, please don't check out on me. Uh, that might change in your life. Uh, and if you're not thinking of that changing in your life, there's still subject matter here that deals with the human heart here, regardless of your marital status. If you are still under the authority of your parent this morning, you're watching at home or you're here, uh, there's uh, material within the context of these four verses for you as well. So uh, we'll see what we can do to, you know, turn on the gas pedal and get through this. We have, first off, in Paul's letter to the Colossian church, remember he's writing to uh, mature them was one of the reasons. And so he turns now to the subject of letting Christ live his life out in their lives, and he begins with husbands and wives, and he begins with the wife. And he said, in verse 18, we read it, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Now the word submit there uh, is in its origin. In the Greek, it is a borrowed term that was used in the military, and it speaks of the proper order of rank. And uh, what's interesting is the, the transliteration would be to, to say to be under rank. Wives, be under rank to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Now, because it is a term that was applied to military, we can be reminded this morning that how a military organization is run, how our own military here in the United States of America is run. I mean, there are generals and colonels, majors, captains, sergeants, privates, and each are to remain respectful of the level of each rank. As we take the term and the principle and now move it into the sphere of the marriage between a man and a woman who profess to be Christians, we, we certainly know that a, a person, like a private in the military, could be much smarter, could be more talented, could have uh, different giftings than the one who is his colonel or her colonel or general. They, that private could be a better person than his or her general. But he or she is still, while in the military, practicing what it means to be under rank. 
they're to be submitted to the general as much as the person is a general, not submitted to the person as much as the person is simply that. And in the same way, the wife submits to her husband, not because he deserves it necessarily, but because he is her husband. A few of my comments here are easily accessible if you have questions about them. Uh, great, one great resource, of course, is Blue Letter Bible content. I'll read a couple of commentary. The idea of submission doesn't have anything to do with one someone being smarter or better or more talented. It has to do with a God-appointed order. Another comment, the equality of men and women before the Lord of which Paul writes in his book uh, to the Galatians when he said there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian, Scythian, male or female, bond or free, but all are one in Christ. What the text is talking about here is that it doesn't change uh, at all the equality of both before the Lord. Actually, the grammar of the word, interestingly enough, the, the, it's a verb, the word submitted there, wives submit. It's in the middle voice, which means it's to be voluntary. And as one uh, commentator writes, he says, the wife's submission is never to be forced by, uh, on her by her husband demanding it. It is the difference uh, that a loving wife, conscious that her home, just as any other institution, must have a head. And she gladly shows that. Now, the Bible never commands or recommends general submission of women to men at all times. I love this comment. It said that uh, it is commanded only in the sphere of the home. Uh, home and in the church and for the wife it is to her husband alone not to men in general uh, the phrase as is fitting to the Lord that's often one of those comments that uh, is mistranslated or misapplied and there are two uh, wrong interpretations of that phrase I'll share them with you this morning the first incorrect interpretation of as is fitting to the Lord lends itself to the favor of the husband and says that uh, you must submit to God absolutely everything without question and you must therefore also submit to your husband absolutely without question. Yet this is wrong. Simply put, in no place, I'll read, does scripture say that a person should submit to another in that way? There are limits to the submission of an employer uh, to an employee. There are limits of the submission of a government to its people. There are limits to the submission of uh, 
parent, of children to parents or that they can expect of their children. And in no place does scripture teach that unqualified, without exception, submission, except to God alone, is to be lived out. To, to do that, uh, one commentator says, is actually the sin of idolatry. So the first misinterpretation of as is fitting seems to want to favor the husband and uh, position the wife's thinking in a given way. The second wrong interpretation of that, though, interestingly enough, lends its favor to the wife and allows the wife to walk away with this perspective, quote, I'll submit to him as long as he does what the Lord wants. Um, and then it becomes the wife's job to decide what the Lord wants. Uh, this also is wrong. Uh, it is true that there are limits to a wife's submission, but when the wife approaches as is fitting to the Lord in this way, things degenerate into the case of, I'll submit to my husband when I agree with him. I'll submit to him when he makes right decisions and carries them out in the right way. When he makes wrong decisions, he isn't in the Lord, so I don't have to submit to him. Now, I am here to share with you that I've been a blessed man for these 31 years that we've been married. And one of the things, Sherry, uh, I'll brag on you a little bit, I'm sorry, this morning, showed me initially as we began to walk toward marriage, even, in our, our brief engagement, was lending over to me headship in the home. And I, I had never experienced that before. In other words, you really want me to make the decisions? The, you want me to have an input on the powerful and important decisions. Are the children to be involved in this? Are we going to take part in that? I'm so grateful to the Lord for her in that because those positions, those things mature us as men. And yet, we are in this room, and if you're watching at home, probably not unfamiliar with an attitude. Uh, it's very secular, and it, and it can, you know, it can be used in a right way, the phrase, happy wife, happy life. But if you remove the, the lack of spirituality in that comment, now, I'm going to speak to you husbands and men this morning. Those of you that are planning to marry or have been married. It is critically important that you not relinquish headship in your desire to please or serve or minister to your wife. As I said, there's a misinterpretation, two ways of as is fitting to the Lord. 
In any case in human relationship, the command to submit is not absolute. There are exceptions to the command for a wife if, for instance, when the husband asks the wife to engage in sin, when the husband is medically incapacitated, insane, or under the influence uh, of mind-altering of mind altering substances, uh, no. When the husband is violent and physically threatening or even emotionally, verbally threatening, no. When the husband has broken the marriage bond by adultery, So, wives, there we are. And Paul says, now husbands. He says, to the husband, he says, husbands, verse 19, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Paul's words to husbands safeguards his word to the wives. As one comment says that though wives are to submit to their husbands, it never excuses husbands acting as tyrants over their wives. Instead, a husband must love his wife and that in this word love, many of you are familiar with that in the Bible, of course, it is the ancient Greek word agape. And significant uh, significantly, it puts the obligation upon the husband to uh, carry this out. Remember when Paul was writing this in the Jewish, Greek, and Roman customs, all power was given to the husbands, uh, both in their role as a husband, their role as a father, as a master in, in a servant-master relationship. And yet, Christ comes along, who if you study the scripture and, and human history at all, and you look at, at what Jesus did in the life of, of the relationship between a man and woman, he elevated them both to the same place. We are all at one place at the feet of the cross of Christ. In fact, our whole history is separated, right, between A.D., B.C., B.C. and A.D. B.C., Latin, ante Christum natum, before birth of Christ, A.D., anno domini, domini nostri, Jesus Christi, in the year of our Lord. I mean, history's been divided by the advent of Jesus Christ to the earth, and in his advent, he changed what was culturally acceptable and brought to the forefront the fact that no, both lives are precious in his sight and that husband is not to dominate and master and, and you know, just wield his culturally accepted power. And the word agape there, husbands, speaking to you, to love your wives has nothing to do, it's not an affection word. It's not a romantic word. When we think about that same word being applied, guys, in 
1 Corinthians 13, right, where love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked. It doesn't think evil or think wrong, but it rejoices in truth. It doesn't rejoice in evil, and it bears, believes, and hopes all things and never fails. And at times people will say, oh, agape love, that's God's love. Well, that's not strictly true. I'll remind us that, strictly speaking, agape can't be defined just as God's love because we're told in John, 1 John, uh, I'm sorry, John 3.19 and 1 John 2.15 that uh, men agape sin in the world. So this admonition slash command to husbands now is that their love for their wife is to be a sacrificial, giving and absorbing love. That is a, it is a love without change. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting payment in return. It is a love so great that it is able to love the unlovable and the unappealing. And it is a love so great that it even loves when it is rejected. Because it mirrors the love of Christ, our Savior, for us. And you guys, if you're with me this morning, you're going, I can't do it. I can't. That's not in me. You're right. That's not. None of us possess the ability in our own volition to love in that way, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what this is about, Christian living, letting Christ live himself out through you, wives, because of you are seeking to honor the Lord. Not, not that he deserves it, not that, you know, Perhaps even in your natural flesh, you, you, you want to, but you know that Christ in you. Husbands, guys, well, I don't know, if, you know, I, I get rejected. Well, that, a love that's rejected, a love, but it's not appealing to, the, to love the unlovable, if that's how you feel, but that never changes. That it's not something you give, you know, well, I'll give this if she gives that. And to not be embittered toward them, interestingly enough, and we'll close here, is referring to the fact that a husband is inclined to justify his harsh treatment of a wife who may be acting or treating him in a way that he doesn't think he deserves. So he flips it around justifies harsh response and becomes embittered toward her and develops an embittered relationship. And Paul says, hey, in Christ, no. Love her and do not be embittered toward her. So let's read it again. 
We're just going to read verse 18 and 19 together out loud, right? Ready? Here we go. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Hey, pretty straightforward. Very clear. So now what we do is we like, I love Andrews. He shared, he's like, I was doing a lot of great things, but, but the relationship wasn't there. So if you're saying, well, Lord, to live that out, I need to be closer to you, then we're hitting the mark. Let's go out in this week ahead and seek to live closer to the Lord so that these things are true of us who are married, who have wives, who have husbands, and Christ is glorified. Amen? Will you join me in a closing word of prayer? Invite the team back up. We're going to close with a, a song. so thankful that that greatness, your greatness is so clear in the world to the eyes that are looking for it. And so Lord, as we are reminded this morning that that greatness can be reflected in, in a marriage that seeks to honor you and bring you glory, but can only happen when both the husband and the wife are submitted to you. That can only happen when both the husband and the wife seek to uh, embrace the things that will grow them and mature them and cause you to be visible in their relationship toward one another. Lord, we, we just pray this morning that whether married or not, whether a child or under your parents' authority or not, that these things that we see true in the Word will become true in us because we know you are great. We love you and we want to declare your greatness even now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.